Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill, the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. We are a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. If you'd like to find out more information about the church, you can visit our website. That information will be available to you at the end of today's devotional. Today is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. This is edition number 175 of season eight, as we are still looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. Today we are in paragraph or chapter 31, paragraph 4. We'll complete this uh, chapter and then move um, in the Thursday edition, move to chapter 32. And then chapter 33 is right behind it, of course, and that will complete season 8. And as I've mentioned in the past already, but I'll probably remind you every now and then between now and the end of this season, I will take a break when I finish season 8 and I will return on December 6th uh, and begin season 9 working through the book of Deuteronomy. Let's pray first and then we'll consider paragraph number 4 of chapter 31. Our Father in heaven, as we humble ourselves once again before your throne, acknowledging that you alone are holy and we are not, we are in desperate need of a Savior. We are in desperate need of the only way in which uh, we can be right with you. And so we thank you that you've given us the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of his work now, we have also your spirit who will guide and direct us in all things. And so we pray that as we look at your word, as we consider these matters, uh, we pray that you would help us, that you would guide and direct us, that you would teach us all that we need to know. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, as I said, paragraph number four completes uh, chapter 31 of Synod's and councils. We've considered many different things throughout this uh, particular this particular chapter. It's not a very lengthy chapter uh, by any means, but we noted that uh, that God God has given us a government that uh, is designed to edify the church, to govern the church, to um, help give direction to the church. The, these various synods and councils, or sessions, presbyteries, general assemblies, whatever your context is there. Uh, has certain responsibilities and certain uh, things given to them to do. But those synods or councils and so forth, they are not infallible. Uh, they do err, and they have erred throughout history, and we can point to those things. We've considered all these matters, and now we're going to consider the final matter given to us in paragraph number four. Synods and councils are to handle or conclude nothing but that which is ecclesiastical and are not to intermeddle with civil affairs which concern the commonwealth, unless by way of humble petition in cases extraordinary, or by way of advice for satisfaction of conscience, if they be thereunto required by the civil magistrate. Now there's two or three uh, particular items that are given to us here in this paragraph. The first thing we note is that these synods or councils, or sessions, presbyteries, general assemblies, they are ecclesiastical in nature. That is to say that they, they labor alongside the Lord Jesus Christ as they seek to honor and build the very kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the synods and councils do not have authority in the civil realm. Uh, we do not make law for the citizens of uh, of the city in which the church is located or the state in which the presbytery may be located. 
Uh, we do not govern in that way. That has been given to another uh, body. And Romans chapter 13, of course, tells us that uh, God, of course, God calling ministers to serve in the ecclesiastical realm. He calls men or women to serve in the civil realm to govern the, to govern the state. Now in Luke chapter 12 and uh, verses 13 and 14, we read, Someone in the crowd said to him, I'm sorry, that's, yes, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? Now, here Jesus is making a clear distinction between his rule and right and reign in this ecclesiastical realm over against the civil realm. This is not to say that Jesus is, is uh, abandoning his divine right of authority over all creatures everywhere, but he is setting an example for us that we only make decisions, the church courts only make decisions in matters that pertain to the church and to the kingdom of God. In John 18 and verse 36, we again read, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And so the specific realm of authority and responsibility for the courts of the church lie within the kingdom of God, that spiritual realm, and there they exercise those items that we have already noted from paragraph number two. And so they're not to intermeddle with civil affairs. Now, with that said, it has happened in, 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 uh, in the past in which, um, well, I'll use the Presbyterian Church in America as an example. I've been in the Presbyterian Church in America since 1998. And there have been occasions, few of them, but there have been occasions in which we have written, as a denomination, we have written a pastoral letter um, to the civil magistrate on particular matters, matters of abortion and other matters. I don't remember all of them, but I do remember that one. And, and so... We're not intermeddling there. We're giving advice, uh, as it were. We're giving pastoral guidance. We're speaking the word of God into the heart and mind of the civil magistrate that they might not sin in a particular area that affects the broad spectrum of the church. Now, local churches may do this. They may write a pastoral letter uh, dealing with something that a local congregation is particularly dealing with, but, but that letter would be for them. It wouldn't be for all the churches in the presbytery. Um, pastors have done this from time to time. They would write a letter to their congregation. A pastor might write a letter to the mayor of, a, of the uh, city. Uh, perhaps there's... Um, well, I'll give you a good example. Um, in June of every year, we have what is known as Pride Month. Okay, everybody knows what that is. It's reprehensible. It's an abomination. We get that. Uh, and oftentimes, cities or counties will uh, have uh, uh, pride parades um, flaunting this abomination before the world. And at times, ministers of the gospel will write a letter uh, to the mayor or to the county supervisor or whatever the may, it may be, the authority uh, in that area, 
uh, to give pastoral guidance and wisdom about such, a, such things. Now that is completely acceptable. It's not making law. It's not intermeddling. Um, it, uh, but it is speaking the word of God into a particular cultural issue. And so that is one time in which the church may speak into the civil realm. And there's another time, and that is the one that's mentioned right here at the end of this paragraph, or by way of advice for satisfaction of conscience, if they be thereunto required by the civil magistrate. Now, so there's two ways of this, okay? The first way is that the church um, offers pastoral advice not solicited by the civil magistrate. And here, this is offering pastoral advice when solicited by the civil magistrate. Both of those cases are fine. There's no harm in either one of those because it is not, does not meet the threshold of intermeddling with civil affairs. That is to say, it's not sitting as judge in the sense of making law for the citizens of that commonwealth uh, but in those letters that it sends, in those communications that it sends, either unsolicited or solicited, it is simply speaking the hope of Christ, the gospel, into a particular cultural matter. It's not making law. It is not threatening civil action. It is simply speaking the word of God into the heart and mind of the civil magistrate. So, this concludes the, this whole matter and business of the synods and councils. We uh, recognize, I am uh, convinced that the government known as Presbyterianism is a faithful system, that the Word of God clearly and plainly teaches us. Acts 15 and other passages highlight this principle, this system for us. But it's a good system because it doesn't allow one individual to become king and head of the church. There's accountability naturally built into the entire system. And so the members of the church don't have to worry or shouldn't have to worry about their pastors or their elders being tyrannical. There's always checks and balances in the equation because, after all, as paragraph 3 has told us, we are all sinful people and we do make mistakes. We do sin. And so it's good to have a system in place that does offer those checks and balances. But we must also remember that this system, as given by the Word of God, is to be exercised within the kingdom of God, not intermeddling with civil affairs, except in those two exceptions that I've already noted previously. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so, until the Thursday edition, when we begin chapter 32, the state of men after death and of the resurrection of the dead, May the Lord help you today. May you strive to walk according to his word. God bless.